0: Praise God. It's been a crazy week, hasn't it? (laughs) Amen. Oh, praise God. But you know, I don't believe God woke up and said, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. I just don't believe he did, did you? It's getting interesting. (laughs) History is being made for sure. Uh, and uh, not just history but his story amen his story's been made I'm, I'm gonna read you a scripture to open up with this morning this got absolutely nothing to do with my sermon but i just felt like it would encourage you this morning to hear this i, I sat down to open uh, open my bible up this week for my devotional time and it just the, but i didn't i don't do this i don't say okay god speak to me and then i go you know, if you try that, it might be, you might just point to it and say, Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> and then you close it, open up again, it says, Go ye therefore and do likewise. <laughs> so you got to be careful with that, you know. So it wasn't one of those moments, but I just opened it up and I just started reading Isaiah 59. And it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Huh? Come on. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Now listen, tell me if it sounds like America today. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongues have muttered perverseness. None calls for justice nor any pleads for truth. They trust in vanity they speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs. That's a snake egg. And they weave spider's webs. They have eaten their eggs and they died and they which crushed or means it hatched. It broke open. It broke out into vipers. Their webs shall not become garments. Neither shall they cover themselves with their work. Their work are the works of iniquity. And the acts of violence is in their hands Does that sound like the streets of America come on their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood Their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity wasting at destruction are in their paths The ways of peace they know not and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at the noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar. All like bears and mourn, soar like doves. I could explain what that means, but I'm not going to get too deep into that. When you shoot a bear, they give a death growl. A death groan is what that's talking about. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Verse 13, in transgression and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking uh, oppressions and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backwards, and justice standards stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street. Inequity cannot enter. Yea, truth falleth. And he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now, listen to that. He that parts from evil, that's talking about you and I, makes himself a prey. Christianity is under attack is what that's talking about. We depart from evil and now we're the bad ones. Okay, are you with me? And the Lord saw it and he was displeased. It displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessors. Come on, we need intercessors in the land. If there's ever a time, we need to be praying, church. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he. I like this part, put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation up on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Why? Because of those who depart from evil. Are you seeing this? Verse 18, according to their deeds, according to, he will repay fury to his adversaries recompense to his enemies to the islands he will repay recompense so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun that's from the west of the east when the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him I spoke on that a few weeks ago and the Redeemer shall come out of Zion and unto them and turn from transgression in, uh, in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit is upon thee, and my word which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of thy mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seeds' seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth. And forever come on we don't need to let the, the word of God depart out of our mouth yeah. in fact you know I said that doesn't have anything to do with my sermon and as it just occurred to me it has everything to do with my sermon because that's exactly what I'm I didn't catch that last part but that's what I'm preaching on this morning because we're, we're living in a crazy time uh, the, the one side is saying the other side is cheated in the election voter fraud is that true I have no idea but I would not be the least bit surprised amen I wouldn't be at all surprised Um, however we don't want to be guilty of what I have witnessed in past years of trying someone and convicting them and passing judgment on them before the trials even started come on I believe in the constitution of the United States I believe in every word of it. In fact, it's the only law, human law, that I recognize. I don't recognize, nor will I appeal to, socialist law. Because if you have socialism, you have to shred that document called the Constitution. We believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which says that they're innocent until they're proven guilty. All right. So the Trump administration has the burden of proof. To prove if they actually have cheated and perpetrated voter fraud. Again, I would not be the least bit surprised. But they do have that burden of proof. But now it's just a thought. America has forsaken the God of our forefathers. The nation has. It's forsaken the God of our forefathers. Our founding fathers were godly men. And they founded this nation on godly principle. And America has departed from that. Our forefathers established a legacy that has lasted for over 233 years. Come on, that's over two centuries. On September the 17th, 1787, we adopted the Constitution. 233 years ago, that document has stood, and it has been the greatest nation on earth. And why in heaven's name people want to change that, it's just, it just boggles my thinking. But little by little, America has compromised those godly principles. And I, it could be that judgment is coming as a result. But I believe that God will show mercy on the righteous. I believe that, church. I'm not just saying that. I believe that God will show his mercy. And that's actually what Isaiah was saying. You've done this, you've done this, but I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. For those who have departed from evil, who have become a prey, I'm going to defend them. And I believe that God's mercy will be on those who depart from evil. All right? He he was going to save Sodom and Gomorrah for the righteous sake. Are you guys cold a little chilly in here. Let's turn that heat up just a little bit. It's getting a little chilly. I see people starting to do this. Heat, man. It's November. What are we doing running the air conditioning? <laughs> I want to talk about legacy this morning, leaving a legacy. Random House College Dictionary says, Legacy is anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or a predecessor. The question is, what are you handing down? What are you handing down to your children? Or those that precede you, your spiritual children? What are we passing on to the next generation? Because what's been passed to us is not looking so pretty good. Amen? I mean, we we look at the different generations, and a lot of people are down on the millennials. The millennials are this and that. Well, we raised them. Uh Uh-huh. I'm a baby boomer. It's like, yeah, we raised them. So if the baby boomers are doing the whining and crying about the millennial generation, well, you raised them. Mom and dad, you're raising the next generation. if you'll listen to Pappy and Gigi, we'll help you with that. Because I had somebody tell me they couldn't come to church because their children wouldn't behave. I was like, well... I raised mine in church. They went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. And they sat on the pew right beside me reverently and quietly because mom and dad was in charge, not a three-year-old. Now, I know I'm probably stomping some toes right now, but the truth is the truth. I can help you if you'll let me. Because if one of mine misbehaved, we took a little walk outside, and when they come back in, they sat there quietly. Quietly and respectfully i could take them in a restaurant i could take them anywhere we had people come up and say your children are so well behaved and we never was cruel to our children but we disciplined them amen come on what are you handing down to the next generation if they're off to the chain you raise them i better move on it's awful quiet in here come on somebody Some people are handing down godly things. Some people are handing down some really nasty stuff to the next generation. But what do you want to be remembered for? And what do you want to have to answer for? Amen? Let's pray before we get into this. Father, I ask you by the power of the Spirit, Lord, just to speak truth to us today, God. I pray, Father, for everybody listening today that they will hear, Lord, what is being said. God, I'm not here to try to point fingers or condemn people, Lord. I'm trying to help them if they will just listen to your word. Father, we pray, God, today that you would save the righteous, Lord. God, we pray that you would open the eyes of those who are transgressors against your law, God. Show them, Father, that you're not against them, Lord. You love them and you're for them, God. You're not sitting on the throne just waiting to hurt somebody, God. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, God. You gave your Son... That if anyone would just believe in him, Lord, and follow him and trust him and serve him, God, they will not perish, God. They'll have everlasting life. So, Father, I pray today, God, that every person will hear the truth, hear the heart of the Holy Spirit today, God. Give me the words to say, anoint me now, Lord, to speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're sitting here today, and our life has meant what? up until this moment in time what it meant to those who follow us what did it mean i want us to look at exodus chapter 20 to start out with this morning exodus 20 verse 1 and it says and god spake all these words saying i am the lord thy god which brought thee out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or that's the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Church, there's people today that hate God. They hate God. Now, we're in the middle of a political battle right now, so I'm sorry to be political, but that's just the way I'm built, okay? Let's just be honest here. I grew up a lifelong Southern Democrat. My mom and dad were Democrats, my grandparents on both sides were Democrats, all of my aunts and uncles were Democrat, and I jumped ship after Jimmy Carter. And I became a righteous voter. Oh, you thought I was going to say a Republican, didn't you? I want to vote for righteousness. And what I saw was the Democratic Party that I knew departed from righteousness. In one of their conventions, they voted three times to take God out of their platform. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. They voted three times, and from what I could hear, the yeas had it. But the moderator, he probably knew it would be political suicide, and he said that the nays had it. We're not going to take it out. We're going to leave God in. But the, 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 the thought that you would even vote on such a thing says we're in trouble. Come on, the nation's in trouble. When anybody would even consider such a thing. And so there's some nasty stuff being handed down. And, and, and it's because some people hate God. Now, if you make an enemy of God, you're going to have to answer for that sin. And your legacy is affected by that sin for generations to come. So if we buy into that, not only is it going to affect those people that hate God, he said that sin's going to be handed down for generations to come from those who, who, who hate God. Now, I I'm, I'm, thank God that my, this, my ancestors didn't hate God. So that stuff is not... They sinned. I mean, they were sinning their life, but they didn't hate God. <clears throat> and so your legacy is affected by the sin that you do. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 18 says, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and you recompense the iniquity of the fathers unto the bosom of their children after them. The great and mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is his name. You say, well, I don't hate God. But he says right there, not only those that hate God, but those who have iniquity will pass down a legacy to their children. So those who practice iniquity. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, 21, he says, many will say, Lord, Lord, they're not into the kingdom of heaven. He'll say, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name, did mighty many things in your name. He said, but depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So what he's saying is people not necessarily that hate God, but people that as a practice, you practice iniquity. He said, I'm not even going to allow you in the kingdom. Depart from me. I don't know who you are. If you practice iniquity, I don't care what you've done in my name. I don't care how righteous you say you are. If you practice iniquity, depart from me. But not only that, you're passing that down to generations. Because we see our parents, well, so-and-so, she's a godly woman, and she does this and that. No, she may say she's a godly woman. He may say he's a godly man. But if you're practicing iniquity, you're not godly. And if your children see that, well, it was all right to do that. I, my daddy was a man, he loved the Lord, and he did this and that. What are you passing down to the generations after you? Are you hearing me, church? Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. For thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the laws of God. I will also forget thy children. Church, this is important what we pass down to the next generation. Part of what we're facing in America today that we never dreamt we would be facing is because of what has been allowed to be passed down under the name of Christianity. We've allowed it, accepted it, because we come lovers of pleasure. More than lovers of God. Leaving a legacy. I don't know what kind of legacy you're planning on leaving, but if you love your children, friend, you're going to love the Word of God. You're going to study it. You're going to see what it says, and you're going to live by it if you love your children. Second Corinthians chapter 12 We should leave good things for our legacy. It says in verse 14, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but parents for the children. Now, he's talking about your inheritance. We need to be laying up an inheritance for our children. As spiritual parents, we are passing down a legacy to our spiritual children. We want to pass down a legacy to them of godliness. That's why we just dismissed our children into children's church. Let me just do a shout out this morning. I wrote these names down. If I miss anybody, please forgive me. But Mark and Charity, Stephen and Brooke, Noel and Sheena, Stephen and Jennifer, Caleb and Prissy, Carolyn Stone and Terry Champion, Kayla Smith. Uh, Linda Henshaw, Kylie Bowman, Seth and Becca, Laura and Josh, Mariah, Emily Hamilton, Michaela, Levi, um, Livy, I'm sorry, Livy Richardson, and Josiah. All of those are back there investing in the next generation, teaching them the uncompromised Word of God. Because we believe in investing in the next generation and leaving a legacy of godliness and righteousness. Nothing is more important than to leave a spiritual legacy to your children. Proverbs 13 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I like that. The sinners are rich, and I'm going to get it all. I don't know how that works exactly. But listen, it's not talking about just laying up wealth for your children, because what good would it do to lay up great wealth for your children and they die not knowing who God is? I'm not talking about leaving a wealthy legacy to your children. I'm talking about leaving a righteous legacy to your children. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 16, 26. For what is it a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I mean, politicians are lying and cheating. I mean, there's some there was no link that they will stop going to to have what they want for power and wealth. Lying, cheating, stealing, murder to have what they want. But what good is it going to do them if they die in their sin? What will you give in exchange for your soul? He said in Matthew 6, 6, 19, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through and steal. So what are you leaving to your children? What is your legacy going to be? Just as the legacy of evil passes down evil. The mercies of God is passed on to your children's children. Now. There was a New York social worker did a study in the 1700s of two men of how this applies in a a very practical sense. These two men, they both lived in the same neighborhood. They lived on the same street. They were close to the same age. Each one had over 1,000 descendants. One man had 1,026 descendants, of which 300 died prematurely. 150 were known criminals. 100 were, they averaged 13 years each in prison. 17 of them were murderers. 16 were public prostitutes. 100 were worthless, deadbeat drunks. 310 died in utter poverty. The other man had 1,029 descendants, three more than the first man. Out of them, 300 of them were preachers of the gospel. 65 were college professors. 13 were university presidents. 60 authored books. 30 of them were judges. 295 of them graduated from college. Three of them were U.S. congressmen. 80 of them served in public office. 75 of them were officers in the U.S. Army or the U.S. Navy. 60 of them were doctors. 100 of them were lawyers. And one of them was the vice president of the United States, Aaron Burke. Now, what made the difference between these two men? The first man was a man by the name of Max Dukes. He was an average guy. He liked to drink. He was rough and tough. But he had no use for God. He had no use for preachers. And he had no use for Christians. And his legacy showed that. Are you hearing me, church? The other man was Jonathan Edwards, a preacher of the gospel from 1703. He lived to 1768. He was not impressive to his peers. He was just a simple preacher who was anointed by God. He had bad eyesight. He held his notes so close to his face when he preached that he would get ink on the end of his nose. His most famous sermon was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. They both left a legacy. One rejected God and passed on the same disregard to his descendants. The other honored God and likewise passed on a legacy to his descendants. Psalms chapter 103 verse 17 says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. So we pass something down, church. You're going to pass on your legacy, whatever it might be. I want mine to be righteousness. How about you? Luke chapter 1, verse 50 says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. So what are you leaving to your children? What will your legacy be? Now, some people may look at me and say, Pastor, what if I've already messed up? My kids are grown already. I've already messed up. What can I do now? Listen, this should give every person hope, no matter what you've done. The rest of this sermon, I don't care what you've done. Listen, are you still with me? God can redeem anyone from anything. Don't you ever forget that. Because there's some stuff going on with people that I know that's very close to me right now. And, and people are they're writing them off. They're just telling that there's, there's no hope for them. God can redeem anyone yeah. from anything. Yeah. Don't ever forget that. Yeah. Let's look at a man who messed up. But he went on to leave a great legacy for those who followed him. His name was David. And out of Scripture, I don't know that there is a man we can look at who, who sinned worse than that man did. In, in my, I'm a guy, okay? I'm a married man, like most of you men in here. And to me, there is nothing that I can do to another man that violates my relationship with him more than going into his wife and laying with her. You can't offend a man any more than that. Can I get an amen, guys? Come on, amen. Can I get an amen, ladies? David took another man's wife. Not only was he another man, he was one of his mighty men that was out in the battlefield fighting for him, Uriah the Hittite. And he lay with her. If you don't know the story, let me just go over it real quick because, listen, there's a lot of people listening via the Internet that may not know who I'm talking about, okay? So I know I'm preaching to the choir. You know very well the story of David, but they may not. Well, he took this man's wife, lay with her. She became pregnant, and he's like, oh, no. We're going to be found out because how is she pregnant? He's not even at home. So he sends to have him brought back, expecting her to go into his wife so he can say, well, it's her baby because they didn't have DNA back then. They can check your DNA now to find out who daddy really is. Amen. Come on. They couldn't do that back then. So he can say, well, Uriah's the daddy. Well, Uriah honored his comrades so much, he said, it's not right for me to go into my wife while my comrades are laying in tents on the battlefield. And so then the next day, he gets him drunk, thinking he'll go in, and still he wouldn't go in. So then he writes up papers to the general to go into battle, put Uriah at the very front, and when he get into the heat of the battle, have the whole army retreat and let him be slaughtered. And they did. And so he had him murdered. He brought Bathsheba, his wife, in to take and took her as his wife. And it's another message on it I won't go into that God told him, says, the baby's not going to live. And so that baby didn't survive. The next child she had was Solomon, who went on to become the next king of Israel. But he thought he'd gotten away with it. And here comes Nathan, the prophet. And he says to David, he said, David, there was a man in your kingdom. He only had one little ewe lamb. And it was like a it was like a pet. They raised it in their bosom. He and his family and his children. They loved this little ewe lamb. And it was a rich man, and he had herbs and flocks of sheep. And a visitor came, and he wanted to prepare a meal for his visitor. So he went and took that one man's little ewe lamb and killed it and served his guest. And David was irate. He said, "Who is this man?" I will have him put to death, and I will take what he has and give it to the other man. And Nathan looked at him and said, you are that man, David. But I want you to see what David did. He didn't blame anybody else. He said, I have sinned before you, God. It's one of the truest pictures of repentance we see in Scripture. And because of that, God did judge David. He told him, the sword will never leave from your house. And the child died. But because of that, the mercy of David was passed down to his generations after him. Because he repented. Listen, I don't care how bad you've messed up. You say, it's too late for me. No, it's not too late for you. I don't care how bad you've messed up. If you start making things right today, God can still leave a great legacy for you. As he did for David. Eleven years after he was dead, Second Chronicles chapter six, verse forty two. It says, O Lord, turn not away thy face from thine anointed. This is Solomon praying. He's dedicating the temple. But he says, Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Second Chronicles seven one, as he continues that prayer. It says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the house. If you read chapter 6, it's a long prayer. But it wasn't until he said, And God, remember the mercies of thy servant David. And when he said that, boom, the glory of God came into the temple so that they couldn't even stand in the presence of God because he remembered the mercy that he had promised David, his servant. The glory came on David because, uh, in the house, because of David, not because of Solomon, but because of David. Church, listen, the glory of God came to 5052, Cross County Road, Mineral, Virginia, 22 years ago, Because of a man named Bill Smith, who was a sectional presbyter of the central section of the Assemblies of God in Culpeper, Virginia, prayed for 18 years for God to raise up a work in Louisa County. We didn't know that. We were meeting in a group called Prayer and Share every Friday night for three years, praying that the glory of God would come to Louisa County and to the central Virginia area. And we would. We pray, God, let your glory, let the power of the Spirit come in every church. I don't care what the label is over their door. God, send your glory to the churches in Central Virginia. Yeah. For three years, we prayed that. Yeah. And when finally I decided, Lord, I believe you're calling me to plant a full gospel church in this area, I met with Bill Smith at Hardy's right up here in Louisa. And he said, Bernie, after I told him what I was doing, he said, Bernie, I prayed for 18 years for God to raise up a work here and you said now is the time and you are the man i know it in my heart it didn't become because of anything i did church it it came because of a man passing down and praying and living righteous and interceding come on we can still save this nation yes come on amen 23 years after David's 1st King chapter 11 verse 6 and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father down in verse 11 it says wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon for as much as this is done to of thee you have not kept the covenant and my statutes what I have commanded thee I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and I will give it to thy servant notwithstanding In thy days, I will not do it for David, thy father's sake. Come on. You wonder why sometimes things happen to you. You're like, I haven't been living right, but that car wreck didn't kill me. You know, that bullet missed me or whatever. It may not have had a thing to do with you. It may be because there's a mom and dad somewhere, a grandma or an aunt or somebody that's praying for you. Amen. Come on. There was a time in my life I was that guy, and I had parents praying for me. I won't get into it. I left, I left South Carolina, came to Virginia, and Jeannie walked up. The first time I saw her, she was talking about Jesus this and Jesus that. I said, I just came 350 miles to get away from religion. If Jesus is all you can talk about, you can keep it to yourself because I was in a bad way. Come on. That was our introduction. Because she just got saved, and she was carrying her Bible to school, testifying, witnessing to everybody, and she, she saw me. I had a ponytail down to here and I had my hip huggers on, and my Jesus sandals, and I was too cool for school, man. I, I was wanting to party, and I didn't want to hear this Jesus stuff anymore. But I had a mom and dad praying for me and I'm trying to get away from God and I moved right into the home of a spirit-filled Baptist song leader and didn't even know it. And they prayed me through. Come on, church. And I repented and God filled me with the Holy Ghost about a month later and I'll never be the same again. Oh, no. Since I met the Lord. I am not the same, and I'll never be the same again. Come on now. Amen. 57 years after his death, 1 Kings chapter 15, Jeroboam, David's great-grandson, sinned. Just kind of like America. (laughs) Nevertheless, for David's sake, at verse 4, did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That was a big matter though. You know, some people would do something on that scale and we would never let them forget it. There's a couple going through something right now. And I told Jeannie, I said, I would love to sit them down and say, stop it, both of you, stop it. Do you love each other? Quit standing your ground and trying to hurt each other. You need to f- repent. You need to forgive each other and then move away from here. Why? Because people would never let them forget what they've done. It's a shame. It's the way we're built. But isn't it true? Come on, church. We need to stop that. It doesn't matter what they've done. I mean, Uriah the Hittite, he murdered him, took his wife. But God forgave him. Who do we think we are that we can't forgive somebody? If God forgave them, are we greater than God? Come on, who do you think you are that you can't forgive yourself? Are you greater than God? He forgave you then you need to forgive yourself. Come on, you need to forgive them. If they've repented, it's under the blood, never to be removed. It gets removed as far as the east is from the west, buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness. How dare you bring it up again? That's good preaching, Pastor. I'm preaching better than you, amen, and come on now. 567 years. This is over a half a millennium after David is dead. Hezekiah is the king. Sennacherib is the king of Assyria. He's defeated all the neighboring nations, and he's telling Israel, I'm coming to get you. And they go before God. Verse 32, 2 Kings chapter 19, he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast a bank against it. For by the way he came, by that same way he shall return. He shall not come into the city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Why did he save the city? Had nothing to do with Hezekiah. In fact, Hezekiah had sinned. He didn't do it for Hezekiah, did it for David. Could it be, church, that the founding fathers were godly men? They founded this nation on godly principles, that God would have mercy on us for their sake. I'm not saying it will, but could it be? He saved Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I will save it if you can find 10 righteous men there. But they couldn't find them church America has some righteous people in it and I say God my, my, part of my intercessory prayer for our nation I'm like God if you can't save it because of this iniquity that's going on God will you have mercy on America for the righteous sake for the righteous sake and I think God hears that prayer I believe he hears that prayer and he will have mercy for the righteous sake how many of you believe that say amen amen, amen. amen. What are you passing down to your children this morning, church? You say, I don't like the legacy that I'm leaving. So what do we do when we see that we are messing up? (laughs) Come on, anybody in here messing up? What do you do when you're messing up? It's not complicated. Stop it. But wasn't that really? I mean, that was profound, wasn't it? Just, Just stop Insanity is when you do the same thing expecting a different results. I'm messing up, but I am going to just keep these brick columns out here around the podium. I laid, though. I'm not a bricklayer, brother, but trust me. But I learned watching Gentle, Jensen Hamilton out here laying these. I helped him. And I learned a little bit about laying brick watching him. So I'm laying these brick columns, and I'm trying to keep the steel pole in the center so it's the same distance on all four sides. And I noticed this thing was... I started out wrong. Listen, if you start on the wrong foundation, you need to to dig a new foundation. And so I said, well, by the time it gets to the top, as long as it's even, it'll be all right. So I kept fudging the brick over. I backed off and looked at that thing, and it was... It looked horrible. Instead of keep going, listen, if you're doing something wrong, stop. Tear the thing down. And start over. That's what repentance is, church. It's what David did. I have sinned against you, God, and against you only have I sinned, Lord. It's when he stopped, he's like, God, I'm I'm doing this wrong. God, help me do it right. It's not really hard. If you're going to overcome failure, the first thing you have to do is admit it. It shouldn't take a pig pen. Come on, the prodigal son had to get down and wallow in the mire with the pigs and eat slop before he could confess that he had messed up. Does it take a pig pen for us to admit I'm messing up? We should be able to do that without having to get down and eat eat slop and and wallow with the pigs. But some people, God help them, they just can't say, I am Wrong. Pride just won't let them do it. I am wrong. They spend their entire lives trying to cover up their mistakes. They become prisoners of pretense. Covering up their mistakes their whole life, living in lies and delusion. Their whole life is one big charade. A life of hypocrisy because they won't say, I'm wrong. So what do we do? Just get over your prideful self, huh? Come on, Just, everybody's a donkey sometimes. Everybody's a donkey sometimes. I know, because I'm the guy that has to clean up the donkey. Do when people's made a donkey out of themselves and they won't admit it. That's my job. You think a pastor's got a craving? I'm. A, I go around with a shovel. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, come on, do it. Say, neighbor, sometimes I am wrong. And sometimes I am really wrong. (laughs) Uh Yeah, don't be pointing the finger at them because we're good. It's like, yeah, sometimes you're wrong. No, we're good at that part of it. Let's look in the mirror and own my own stuff. Sometimes I'm just wrong. You know what I found with most people? If you will come to them and say, you know what? It's my fault. I am so, so sorry. I was wrong. It's my fault. Will you please forgive me? It takes a very cold, hard-hearted person not to be moved by that. Because I've had people come and do that, I'm like, No, it wasn't your fault, man. Come on. Because a lot of times they'll say, you know, and then they'll own their part. But you extend the olive branch first, it'll open the door for that. Amen. Come on. Is that right? Used to be a country song said, another marriage goes down to foolish pride. How many have heard that country song? Know what I'm talking about? I don't remember how the words of it go, but I just remember the course. Another marriage goes down to foolish pride because she won't say she's wrong and he won't say he's wrong. So another one goes down to foolish pride when they probably both got some wrong, but neither one of them will admit it. Admit your failure. The Bible calls that repentance. We all want the mercies of God, but his mercy and grace endures forever to those who will repent. Now, you may receive some mercy through the legacy of your forefathers, but that mercy that they have handed down to you will not save you. See, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. You must repent. If there's a place where we should be able to admit our failures, it should be in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Grace received, grace given. We received grace. Man, when I came to Jesus, I was, I, I was a mess. But his grace forgave me. How dare I not extend grace to other people who ask for it? Would you please stand with me, please? The church has been notorious for burying their wounded. Listen, we don't want to bury our wounded. We want to heal our wounded. And when people mess up and they're hurt and they're wounded and they come and say, God, forgive me. Ask the church to forgive you. Then you you need to heal them, not bury them. Amen. (laughs) You say, I don't like the legacy I'm leaving. But don't be discouraged by your failures. Some people feel like I failed God and I'm not worthy. But listen, don't think that your success is what makes you worthy. Because it's not how righteous you live. It's not by works of, uh, 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 what is it, works of grace that we have done, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. How does that scripture go? It's by his, God's spirit that we're saved, not by what we do. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not by works. See, it's not to how successful you are. It's God's grace that gives us his favor and his mercy. One last scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. Now, I don't know who's listening to this message this morning outside the sanctuary. For those of you who are, who are here this morning. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I don't know where you're at. I'm not preaching. I, listen, I'm not thinking about a, a single person in here. I'm not. I say, well, I know who he's talking about. No, I, I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know where you've been, who you've been with. What you, I, I have no idea. And I don't know who's listening to our message because we're live streaming today. But Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house. And behold, he wrought a work on the potter's wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hands, O house of Israel. God can take that life that you've made that's just in a total disaster and a mess, and he'll just ball it all up again. Put it on the potter's wheel and just spin a brand new vessel because what seems like failure to you is a beautiful vessel not yet fashioned by the potter's hands another song I heard a long time ago it said he didn't throw the clay away I remember I was in a church and a lady sang that and I said hallelujah because I was that marred vessel one time and he didn't throw me away. He just started over again and made a vessel that was fit for the master as it pleased him. So if you've messed up, messed up God can fix what you've done. you don't like your le- legacy, then change it. It's never too late. God can use any failure to yield if you just yield yourself to him. I mean, look at the woman at the well. Here's a woman who had messed up seven times. He said, the the men that you've lived with, none of them was your husband. And the man you're living with now, he he said, you've had six husbands. Now the man you're living with is not your husband. You're you're living in, in adultery. But that same woman went back and won the whole city to Christ. Matthew was a publican, a tax collector. Cheated the people, became an apostle and a biographer. The apostle Paul, the Bible says, was the chief among sinners. He persecuted the church, even had murdered Christians murdered, but went on to become one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament, penned two-thirds of the New Testament. Simon Peter, in Jesus' darkest hour, denied that he knew him three times, went on to become the chief apostle. And then King David, who we talked about this morning, a murderer, adulterer went on to become a man after God's own heart. Amen? God can redeem anyone from anything. God can redeem any nation, any people. Don't lose hope, church. And listen, if they recount this thing and, and, and we get a socialist government, People that want socialism try to usher that in. And even if they succeed, that doesn't change who God is. See, God's got a plan. This whole pandemic thing, I believe, was a ploy of the devil. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. See, I served as a presbyter. A presbyter is a pastor to pastors. And so I'm talking to other pastors. I've resigned that recently, but I was a presbyter. One pastor, he said, I'm suffering from opinion overload. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion. Amen. And so it, it doesn't matter what is going on in the church. I believe that it was a ploy of the enemy. That's my opinion, all right? So if you want one more opinion, there it is. But what Satan tried to do was to close the doors of the church. And I saw it, just, I didn't see a vision, but just in my imagination, I saw a fire and he tried to stomp it out. And all he did was spread it everywhere. Because we would have never thought about live streaming our service. Now we're going all around the globe. The fire spread everywhere. Church, what am I saying? God's got a plan. And that doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do, God's got a plan. And God is in control. Come on, Donald Trump's not in control. Republican Congress is not in control. The Republican Senate, the Democrat Senate, the Democrat Congress, Joe Biden is not in control. God's in control. And we don't need to forget that. But now with that said, that don't mean we sit back on our lull and say, well, God's got this. No, we we need to pray. What do you do? You pray and then you pray and then you pray some more. Amen? You can start a new life today. Leave a new legacy. Because God is the God of new beginnings. So what are you passing down to your children, your spiritual children? So I don't know what's going to happen, but I just believe that God is going to pass down mercy because of the Christian heritage that we've had in this nation. You see, the great revival broke out in England at the great awakening, and then it came to America. And from America, it spread. The mission work out of the the nation of the United States of America is one reason that the gospel has spread across the globe. I believe God's going to honor that. Maybe we are in a bad place right now. And maybe God's backing up, and and we need to be corrected. So that maybe, I was talking to Brother Hunter this this week. we was talking about prayer. And last week, we were talking about prayer. This week, we were talking about the Sabbath. We have some interesting conversations, (laughs) Hunter and I. But he's talking about the way we pray, you know. How deliberate do we really pray? Church, how much are you praying for our country? Because I listen to I get into conversations. People, they've got their opinion about this and about that and about this. And I'm like, how much time have you spent in prayer over it? I can spend a lot of time complaining about it. I can spend a lot of time tweeting and sharing this post and that one and this and that. But how much time are you spending on your knees talking to God about it? They texted me before I came in this morning. They want me to come down and have the opening prayer at the tea party. They're having a rally, some kind of a rally down in Centerville. They want me to come and have the opening prayer there. What an honor to lead people in prayer as we pray for our nation. So, two things that I want to leave you with. One for those who are really, I mean, there's people that's panicking over this election thing. Listen, God is still in control. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not the peace that the world giveth, giveth I unto you. I'm leaving my peace with you. I give you the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. All right? Because if we're panicking, what that's saying is, I don't have enough faith that God is in control. I don't mean to say that as a rebuke. I'm trying to encourage you, all right? But if I'm all panicking, I'm worried, and I'm stressing, then you really don't believe God's in control of this thing. We need to get our eyes off of what Satan's doing, get our eyes on what God's doing. He's in control, amen? And because I know that, I can have peace in my heart. So two things I want to leave you with. One, just know that God is in control. I want to leave you hope. It's not as dark as you think. If Joe Biden gets in there, I'm going to pray for Joe Biden. I'm going to pray for Kamala Harris. I'm going to pray for Nancy Pelosi. God knows she needs it. I mean that. Chuck Schumer, all those who want to abort babies, wants to pervert, the sanctity of marriage, things that the Scripture clearly speaks on, they, instead of criticizing and hating them. Listen, we sang a song this morning that said, he, he causes the dry bones to come alive. Remember that the words in that song, part of it, is, is that how it works? He causes the dry bones to come alive. You know what that means? The Bible says that bitterness dries the bones. What is dry bones? That's a skeleton. That's a dead man. Bitterness will kill you. Is what that's saying. Bitterness dries the bone. Bitterness will kill you. So if these people are doing things that I don't like and I'm angry and I start hating them and I'm bitter towards them, we need to repent, church. Maybe the nation is in its condition because we've got the wrong heart. Instead of being bitter and hating these people, we need to be on our knees praying for them. God, save them. Open their eyes to the truth. Let them see. Because we can pray, God, don't let what they're trying to do have any strength. Don't let it succeed. And we need to pray like that. But God, save them. Because God died, Jesus died for them too. Remember that. And so no matter how this thing turns out, Just get before God and just love Jesus. Let him reign because he reigns. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns. And then the last thing is I don't know who I've been preaching to this morning. You say, as I'm preaching, it's like I'm leaving a horrible legacy. I live a life of sin. I live a life of compromise. If you just knew the things that I've done, Pastor, what makes you such a super sinner that God can't save you? Listen, there are no super sinners. They're just sinners. God saves the guy that didn't do a whole lot wrong. God saves the guy that did everything wrong. There are no super sinners. They're just sinners. And I'm always reminded of Don Francisco's song. He sings a song. it's it's, It's a ballad about the prodigal son. And he said, I loved you long before your eyes first saw the day. Everything I promised you was to help you on your way. And even though you've chosen darkness with its miseries and fears, even though you've gone so far and wasted all these years, even though my name has been spattered in the mire in which you lie, I would take you back this instant if you would just turn to me and cry. Because I don't care where you've been sleeping. Church, I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care who made your bed. I already gave my life to set you free. And there is no sin you can imagine that is stronger than my love. And it's all yours if you will just come home again to me. That's the heart of a father crying out to a wayward child saying, I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you if you'll just come back. I will receive you. Don't ever feel like you've gone too far that God can't help you. God can redeem anyone from anything. Amen. Would you bow your head, please? Father, you know the hearts of those who've heard this word today, God, whether they're living in fear and anxiety. And panic God or whether they're living in sorrow and sadness and brokenness because of the life that they're living God They've tried the world God the world looks so beautiful. It looks so fun It looked like it had so much to offer and when they got there Lord They found out that it was a lie God all that they offer is is Hopelessness and sadness and sorrow and emptiness God Lord you said the thief came to steal to kill and to destroy But Jesus Christ has came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So, God, I pray for them, whoever they might be, wherever they are, God, that the power of the Spirit would go right there in their presence and let them know, you are the one that I'm calling to. You are that child that I'm saying, if you'll just come home to me, I will receive you. And, God, that they will fall on their knees before you and say, God, I just want you to love me. I just want you to accept me and forgive me. And, God, that you would just enter their heart, God, save their soul, Lord. Father, that you just fill them with your spirit, God, that they would know the power and the the freedom that comes through you. Lord, you said, if any man be in Christ Jesus, Lord, where the spirit is, there's liberty, there's freedom. So set them free today, I pray in Jesus' name. God, I speak peace over the body of Christ, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are still in control, Lord. God, nothing takes you by surprise. Hallelujah. And, God, we're your children, Lord, and that your mercy endures from generation to generation to those who love you. And we love you this morning, God. We do. And, God, we pray, Father, that your perfect will will be done. God, our country is in a mess, Lord. It's in a mess. And, Father, we pray that truth will prevail, Lord. God, I don't know if they cheated, God, if they falsified the the votes or not. Lord, I, I have no idea. But, God, if they did, Lord, I pray that you expose the truth, Lord. Set the record straight, God. May the right person, the one who actually honestly won the election, get into office, whomever that may be. And then, God, I pray that you would convict that man. Guide them, Father. By your hand, Lord, you said that you hold the heart of the king in your hand, God, and you turn it which way you want it to go. So, God, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the White House, Lord, because you're sitting in, the, in, the, in, in your house, God, the temple, on the throne, God, and you control it all, Father. And We have joy and hope and peace because of that now. In Jesus' name in Jesus name if you're here this morning before we dismiss in prayer and you say pastor bow your head if you would please I just want you to say a prayer for me and come and agree but I want to just recommit my life to Christ this morning Your, your, your word has really touched my heart and I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to start over. I've been messing up, and I just want to start over. And listen, why do you do that? Because the Bible says if any two will agree as touching anything, it'll be done to the Father. There's just something about coming in agreement. And so I'm not trying to point you out so that I know who you are. I just want to come in agreement with you that God's going to do a work in your life so I'll know that I can pray for you as well. So if you're here this morning, say, Pastor, would you just pray for me before you close? I'd just like you to slip your hand up right where you are and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I see that hand. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? I see your hand, young lady. God bless you, honey. Anybody else? Anyone else? Father, you see this precious couple. Touch them, God. This man over here, Lord, touch him, Father. Back in the back there, Lord. This young lady back here. God, touch their heart right now. Father, I pray that you give them a strength, God, that just surprises them, Lord. That they can say no, God, to the things that allure them, that draw them. They can say no, God. Father, it's hard for people to stop. I I said, just stop it, Lord. It's hard for people to do that sometimes. But God, I pray that you empower them so much that it's so easy that it just surprises them. How easy it is to choose the right thing and say no to the wrong thing, Father. Change their heart, God. Change their heart, Father. Make it right and good and acceptable in your sight, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Now, Father. As we dismiss, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you just bless this body today. Bless their home, Father. Make it a refuge, God, an escape from the world. A place, God, where you are honored, Father. A place where the Holy Spirit is welcome. God, I pray that you would strengthen the family today. Lord, the enemy is working so hard to try to divide the family, Lord. God, strengthen the family, Lord. Husbands and their wives children and their parents siblings one with each other lord i pray a special prayer for those who are walking their journey alone god and they're looking for their soulmate lord father i pray that you bring that young man to find that young lady lord that they find each other lord and they unite in holy matrimony and walk their journey together lead them to that special person now i pray in jesus mighty name amen amen